To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you, so uh, this week's a fun one. Uh, just recorded this last night, so I've had a couple buddies out from Australia. Uh, I've had Craig Hales, he's been on the podcast before, Josh Rogers, both of those guys are extremely good, experienced hunters. Uh, Craig's been out hunting elk multiple times, this was Josh's first trip. And uh, so, yeah, had these guys stay at the house and helped them out a bit and then hunted with them and shared camp. And we just had an absolute riot. And we had an absolute riot on the podcast as well. Uh, a lot of good laughs as we recount encounters and close calls. Uh, we also talk about what worked and what didn't and kind of our elk hunting strategy for September. Uh, also have my, my best hunting buddy, uh, Dan Heverin, on the podcast. Man, I hang out with that guy so much. We're just always doing wild adventures. So good to get him on the podcast. And I'm going to do uh, another dual podcast with just Dan, too, where we can kind of talk over elk hunting. Uh, also want to do a solo elk hunting podcast. So many great lessons I learned this year. But... Um, Two uh, uh, good guys that I now consider good friends from Australia uh, just had an absolute riot. And like I say, um, just fun to have on the podcast and discuss things. They just took off this morning, so uh, they've got about two days of travel uh, uh, to get back to um, Australia. But yeah, just such great guys. Uh, great podcast. I really enjoyed it. I think you guys are going to enjoy it too. I want to thank Zamberlin Boots. I'm so impressed by Zamberlin. They just don't cut any corners as far as craftsmanship, as far as materials. I've never had a boot that held its waterproof uh, capabilities as long as a Zamberlin. Like, uh, they're waterproof a year later. They actually take every Gore-Tex booty that goes in every single boot and hold it underwater and test it to make sure it doesn't have any leaks in the stitching or in the booty itself. Uh, just amazing quality and can't say enough good things about them. So you guys know that I gravitate towards these uh, mountain shoes. I can stalk in them and I always feel like a pound on my back or a pound on my feet is like 10 on my back. So I just love their shoes that they've started to come up with. My favorite one, I think, of all time is the Saluth. It's a 215 Saluth. It's a shoe that weighs under two pounds, has a Vibram sole. I now, you know, my two best hunting buddies are using this. Dylan Ness has a set of them, and then Dan Heverin has a set of them, and both guys just love them. Uh, this season, I've been using a couple different shoes. I've been testing out the Anabasis and the Free Blast, and honestly, they're just as good as the Saluth. I mean, they're right there. Uh, I've really enjoyed them, got them broke in. They're just great for elk hunting, great for mule deer hunting. If I do get some snow or get into the later season, uh, you know, I will use a boot. So uh, for guys that need a little bit more ankle support, um, they have their uh, a bunch of different offerings for whatever your personal preference is. But I really like the 320 Trail Light Evo GTX. That boot comes in at under three pounds, and I can hike miles in that boot. So uh, I like having that, too, um, for if it snows, late season, even some of these more hardcore mule deer hunts, although I can make do in shoes, these tend to give me a little bit more support. So uh, if you're in the market for some new boots or shoes, also... Uh, uh, Craig Hales, it's on the podcast. He's ordering a pair of these Zamberlins for back home in Australia. 
So those guys really like those as well. Uh, but yeah, if you're in the market for anything, boots or shoes, make sure to go check them out. They're top of the heap. Uh, Zamberlin. Okay, I also want to thank Camo Fire. Uh, Camo Fire is an app where they have 80 new hunting deals that comes up every 24 hours. And so uh, you can go on and you can save a pile of money. And they have all the top name brands. Uh, they do a, a, a really good job in there at getting quality gear. So uh, if you're in the market for some new gear and want to save some money, make sure to check out Camo Fire. I also want to thank Black Ovis. Black Ovis carries all the top name brands, everything you would need from your hunt. And, and a bunch of the brands that we have sponsorships with here on the podcast, like Zamberlin, like Cryptech, like Everly Stock, uh, they carry all these brands in there. They have a really knowledgeable staff uh, that also loves to hunt and um, knows about the different terrains, uh, you know, and different needs at different places. So you can always get good customer service. Uh, they have a bunch of good deals like their arrow ID to help you figure out your arrows. Uh, they have a points and dollar system. So anytime you purchase things, you get points. If you leave a review, you get points and one point equals one dollar. So if you have some purchases, you can really save some money or get some points towards your next purchase. Uh, we also have a promo code through Eastman's Elevated. So if you put in the code ELEVATED10, that'll save you 10% on your order. It's a heck of a deal. Um, I've been using their game bags. I've been really impressed. And, um, you know, they just came on the podcast here a few weeks ago. Uh, but if anything comes up or I need anything for my hunts, I'm definitely going to support them and... Um, uh, order my stuff from there. So it's a great internet retail store, Black Ovis. And with that, over at Eastman's, um, we got that Mule Deer School going. Um, really proud how that came out. Seems like guys are really liking it. So hopefully it uh, helps guys cut that learning curve. Uh, you can check that out by searching Eastman's Hunting Journal's uh, Mule Deer course. And that'll come up. I think it's a great price point. We're continually adding to it. I've been filming a bunch of stuff this season for it. Um, so, yeah, really proud how that came out. Uh, check out the new Beyond the Grids. I haven't kept caught up, but I, I think Dan has a new elk hunt out from last season where he arrowed a great big bull in Wyoming. Um, so really cool hunt. I need to get on there as well and check that out and give that some views. I'm not sure what, which hunts of mine they've released, but you can search it, uh, Eastman's hunting TV, uh, search that on YouTube and it'll pop up and, uh, beyond the grids, our internet TV show. We're also on the outdoor channel. There'll be some episodes coming out there as well. And, um, also check out the magazines. Got a couple articles in the last couple bow hunting journals that I'm really proud at. Ones like this. Uh, Mule Deer Jedi. Uh, it was a really cool article where I pulled some excerpts from the Mule Deer School and uh, kind of talked about that. So that was a fun one. Oh, and I'm forgetting what the other article was that I just wrote, but it, it um, God, it's just a, a, a really fun way, um, like a different way to share my thoughts on hunting where I really get to think through my word choice and make sure that I get my points across to what really helps me be successful. But uh, it's a good deal. Uh, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, six issues a year. Eastman's Hunting Journal, six issues a year. So you guys can check that out. And, um, and I, um, with that, 
gosh, let's get into this podcast. It's a fun time. So I, I just uh, hit record, and so the beginning conversation, uh, they're talking about flip-flops or something, and um, I just let it roll from there. So uh, uh, it's a great recording. Had a bunch of fun with those guys last night recording late, and then um, got them off and on a plane today. Just great guys from Australia. Can't say enough good things about them. Oh, and I left um, uh, the last podcast. I did a solo, and I... I left Josh hanging pretty bad. I uh, so they listen to the podcast where they're when they're up on the mountain up there, and um, I talked about my Australian buddy who missed, and then I had to leave, and I had to answer a phone call, and then take my daughter into school, and I got back like an hour later, and I never picked up where I left off. But Josh had a great opportunity at a bull. I think the bull I ended up killing, and um, he did. He had like a 40-yard shot. Those guys had worked in. He had a clear opening shot at that thing and nicked a limb that he didn't see that threw his arrow off. But he he did miss that bull clean, which was good. Uh, but but yeah, it's just um, if it can go wrong, it will. And especially with bulls, it just takes a perfect shot. These guys played it really well and hunted really well. You know, it's just one of those things that happens to all of us. Uh, but he did hit a limb, and I left him hanging on the last podcast, and I came back and didn't describe his miss. So uh, they gave me a little hell for that one, which is good. I need that every once in a while. But, yeah, just great guys. Uh, really enjoyed hunting with them. Uh, really enjoy hunting with my buddy Dan. He's back out this morning up at 4 o'clock and out hitting the elk hills. And so uh, he's going to get a bull killed. He's got about a week left here to get it done. And uh, pulling for him, and going to help him out wherever I can. Uh, in fact, I need to do a little glassing for him and and um, get a bull on the ground for that guy. So uh, he's had a bit of bad luck as well, just um, things here and there. It's like uh, those bulls just have a knack for making the right move in their general season public land elk, and they are just not easy. But um, hopefully Dan's on some bulls as we speak. But uh, let's get into this podcast. It's a great one. Bunch of good laughs, a bunch of hunting talk. Uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, I've got my friend Craig Hales, my friend Josh Rogers. i got my friend Dan Heverin. Uh, I'm Brian Barney, your host, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. I think. That what is, is now? It's a couple there. It is now. Stepping on the cord. Still got his flip flop on. So we call them thongs. That's just weird. Well, it's not. What do women wear? G strings. Okay, mm. I like G strings, but. Yeah. yeah. Like thongs. Like bikinis, like thong bikinis. Yeah, they're just G strings. G string bikini. It's what I wore the whole hunt. <laughs> 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 it's the same thing that's happening here, right? Oh, same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, yeah. same, but different. So I just, they just, they flip flop. I just flip flop them. You've got a G string between your toes. That's that's weird, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> flip flops. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Quite a start. The elk hunting podcast. So, um, had a couple buddies come over all the way from Australia. Uh, Craig Hales, Josh Rogers, got my good buddy Dan Heverin on here, and we've been hunting elk off and on two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Bunch of laughs bunch of close calls man it's been amazing um elk just live in the coolest country and it seems you know you learn these lessons in hunting but to to go out and live it and be in it and be in the country chasing these elk it just seems like you you learn at such a fast pace like things you can't even expect to foresee so uh anyways just to get it started off but yeah guys thanks a bunch man it's been a blast no thank you man it's been uh it's been a I don't know, a lifelong to sort of come and finally get over here. 
after a few years, I think we've spoken for four or five years now, mm-hmm. but to get over here and experience with you guys and you know show us a few of the ropes and I, I don't know our learning curve it's been steep but it's been you know very rewarding at the same time so we've hunted hard there's no question about that we've gone I think we worked it out 19 days straight I think we did and uh yeah some highs and lows and everything else that <laughs> <laughs> elk hunting brings you um bow hunting adventure right oh yeah and some I think mm-hmm. we had as you mentioned, plenty of laughs. There's no question there. But uh, we made it fun. But this is Josh's first elk hunt. Um, mine, I've, I've hunted a few. Uh, fortunate enough to take a few. But this was a yeah a f- another experience from what I'd experienced before. I'd hunted a bit of private land on a couple of hunts. Uh, done New Mexico um, a couple of years ago. You know, it was certainly the the hunting pressure wasn't there, if you could say that. But obviously, we're in a general <laughs> unit this year, and I don't know. That was it, it's a it's a different kettle of fish when you've got the hunting pressure and the, you know, big mountains and well, there's no question we found elk though. That, that Public was, uh, land to the, to the extreme. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Public land where everybody has a permit everybody's got access to it makes it a little bit different. I think seeing through the stages too was probably, it's probably something that I've taken on so much. Like we, I think it was the 7th we flew in. Mm-hmm. 7th so, of September. Yep. Yeah. 7th of September. Um, I lost my gear for a week at the start of the show. <laughs> That's right. I forgot all about that. <laughs> yeah. It seems so long yeah. ago. You were hunting with my bow there for yep. a couple of days. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Josh, well, I think we got out on the uh, Thursday evening, didn't we? Mm-hmm. So on the 8th, I think, was our first mm-hmm. session. And Josh had a had a play straight up. Dan had a play straight up. Yep. yep. Um, so we, we – and then I think uh, Brian and I took the back seat and we just laid back with the binos and talked a bit of rubbish. But <laughs> – but unfortunately, those plays didn't come around for, I'm sure the boys will elaborate on those situations, but, <laughs> but and it's, that was only the start of it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I think from there, just watching the, the elk change, um, not just from pressure, but weather and things like that was really, really interesting, mm-hmm. seeing how much they can move and, uh, you know, and some of the places where they live where we probably didn't think they would be, but uh, we found elk there and the first time dealing with the presence of grizzly bears and things like that. I was probably a little <laughs> nervous more than Josh, but... Uh, it just yeah. tracked one down. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, Look at these tracks. I'm going to go chase this thing down. Yeah. Like, dude, Josh, yeah. you had a good trip, huh? <laughs> yeah, I've just been waiting to get a word in. So, yeah, thanks for having me on, Brian. It's been a pleasure. I, I kind of rode in on the back of Craig's coattails. Um, for not my first trip to the States, but certainly my first trip hunting elk. And it's been a steep learning curve. So I'd learned a lot of Craig prior because we'd done a lot of hunting together and just chatting to him. And um, I had some ideas in my head about what it was going to be about. It it has what I had in my mind. It hasn't eventuated to that at all. It's been a much greater adventure and and learning curve. Um, yeah. So I I, I could have tagged out on the first afternoon we'd met you for maybe or i'd met you for maybe a couple hours and not long after i was putting a play in on a on a nice ball um it's a beautiful five by six that ball yeah yeah. you you glassed him up and it would have been vantage point too easy and it it would have (laughs) (laughs) i like the too easy you wouldn't have got the full experience (laughs) yeah Yeah, no definitely not but i I, i'm grateful for that opportunity because that was the beginning of it and 
from there it's just been a wild wild adventure so it's been awesome yeah it has been it's been a laugh i'm gonna do my best to slow down dan's hunting style telling him to slow down today so i'm gonna do it in my speech so you guys can understand us i'm gonna do my best so (laughs) (laughs) apologize in advance if you can't understand us we had some experiences where we're both like whoa bro slow down slow (laughs) it down yeah exactly i got tapped on the shoulder yesterday to slow down and take my time so that was pretty funny but it um i don't know it's it's you know i i felt a little you know that i've maybe given josh a bit of a excuse the Aussie lingo here, but a bit of a bum steer. So, you know, I gave him a direction to think, you know, what the elk hunting would be like. But obviously this was my first time sort of hunting, you know, high-pressured elk. And they were pressured in a way that probably some wouldn't kind of understand. But uh, obviously talking to Brian and Dan very early in their first couple of trips out, you know, the guys don't call much, if at all. I don't even think you guys carry calls. Um you know, that was something that, you know, from, from my experience before, shooting bulls, getting called in, um, you know, all the YouTube and the movies and everything else that goes on, you know, to find that you guys are so successful and, and not use a call, it, you know, that, that sort of was like, okay, this is going to be different. It's probably going to bring a lot of our home hunting, you know, probably our skills forward pretty quickly um, that we're going to have to rely upon our hunting skills that we are fortunate enough to do a lot of that back home. So spot and stalk. Uh, true spot and stalk you know it's glass them up or hear them and make a play and i think i think that helped us um josh the barefoot bushman over here you know um, <laughs> first night he was in bare feet, yeah. chasing bare feet. That bull. first time yeah. i've ever seen it he's in shorts and, and bare feet just going for it but yeah. r- really good hunters really patient and slow methodical really looking yeah. for your right shot and the right angle you can tell really you impressed. guys it's you like can, a yeah experience is the best teacher and so when guys get so much bow hunting experience and i've i've never seen somebody uh wield a knife like josh on that <laughs> on that deer that you no, killed you guys but can tell you've killed a lot of, a lot <laughs> yeah, of critters yeah. you know what you're doing so it translates into <laughs> hunting elk right and, yep. and then it then it um so it, it did i uh i've it, it's tough, right, at first to, to accept this new way of hunting them when this other way has worked, but then you got to see it firsthand. I did, um, you know, and, and Josh did as well. Like, we, you know, we, we got into elk. Um, obviously, there was there was hunting pressure there, and, and we were making plays. Um, I, don't, I don't want to take Josh's stories here. He'll elaborate on those. But, you know, from my experience, you know, we were early, we were – we were hiking out early. We we're hiking out before sunup. We we're hiking in the dark, maybe a little crazy, but we we're doing it to get in a position where we knew what those elk were doing. They were working in the open at this early stage, so we're talking probably the between the eighth and maybe the fifteenth. Would I be right? Yeah. Sort of those yeah. kind of dates. Yeah. You know, they're working in lower sections, maybe a little bit more open. They're working cows more. You know, there wasn't a lot of bugling. You, know, you sort of get that thirty minutes, you know, after sunup, but. You know, we'd be trying to get in position to count to cut them off, or they'd work back towards us, and and then you'd hear, excuse me, but it, you know, hear old Tootie Flutie coming up the hill, and you know, meow, And no joke, like we're and and I'll be the first to to admit that I was chasing something a little more, you know, maybe more mature, like you know, that looking that for that solid. You know, what we've learned, like a, a true sort of six-point mountain bull, you know, whether he's 300 or 350, he's just a magnificent elk. And, 
you know, we're just looking for something that, you know, when your eyebrows sort of get raised and they stay raised, that's something you want to go and chase. So I think, you know, we're chasing those bulls. And as soon as the calling that started, those mature bulls, you know, they would just round them cows. They would just drop drop around the cows. They'd start bugling. And I think as the people were calling, I think they thought the bull was calling back to them. But all they're doing is literally moving their cows and hurrying them up. <laughs> and they would move that mountain so quickly I mean Josh was running like no joke running up the ridge to try and catch bulls and I mean that's probably a different style to a lot of people would use but it was working for us like I mean we made if it wasn't a play every session it was every other session uh, and we were on you know I've passed four or five bulls for the trip I made a rule right at the start I said it to Josh I said once you pass a bull you expect to go home with nothing or possibly go home with nothing so once you pass your first bull there's a chance you're not going to punch that tag. And, and you know, I think the experience that I've got, look, I, you know, I'll be love to be out the back wrapping up a big set of antlers right now to try and take on the plane tomorrow. But, you know, it didn't happen. But, you know, the experiences and what I've learned this trip is probably tenfolded the other trips I've done. And, you know, it's full credit to, to Brian and Dan as well, you know, spending the time and just being able to openly share our experiences each, each, each session too. And without any kind of judgment, it's been... You know, pretty special because we were <laughs> we were stuffing them up pretty quickly, but but we all did it. We all had those plays where I think I'd just go right and they went left, or I'd go left and they'd go right, but I just couldn't quite make it happen. But you know, the the chances are there, and I probably just made mistakes, rookie mistakes, no question. Mm-hmm. You know, different species, but just making rookie mistakes, it probably didn't. Probably the reason they didn't play out in the end. Oh, it's tough. It's a hundred right decisions that all have to be made consecutively like chasing those those elk and it comes you know it does come down to those hunting instincts but you just have to choose right or left or straight or forward or to hold or to freeze but it's all those that come into play like when you're when you're chasing and stalking those elk but it's like this moving flowing stock where sometimes you have to hold still for 10 minutes sometimes you're you're moving quick to try to push in and sometimes you're held back outside your bow range just letting things develop and letting things happen and josh you did a good job like chasing those elk of like uh uh, giving them pressure working into them trying to get a shot but also not pushing it with the wind or not pushing the elk letting them bed that day and come back out and you had success like day after day chasing that same bowl the chuckles bowl or the couple different ones that you were on down there yeah, so certainly uh, an aggressive tactic f- worked for me in, in, in that some of our Australian species, I wouldn't have got away with what I was doing. And it, But it's because these elk had the ability just to keep covering country. So you hear a bugle and you're like, oh, there's one. And, and you stand there and you pause for a minute. And those things are now 300 yards away. Mm-hmm. So you've got to... You have to think on your feet and keep up with them too. Once they decide they're moving back to cover, you're either intercepting them or you're just you're giving up and allowing them to go and just watch to where they they've ended up, and then go back to camp, reconvene, and then set up your play for that afternoon mm-hmm. because you're not you're not catching them once they're they're moving that far in front of you. Um, so it's a balance between that and and getting in there and then being patient too. So there was times where they were coming towards me and the winds were favourable and you just got to sit there and be patient. And it can be overwhelming when you've got cows within 10 yards and, and you've just got eyes on that bull who's still 100 yards away, but you know he's coming and 
yeah it's it's certainly a, a balance between the two and <laughs> I, I i grew into that role the longer i was there and the more of those examples that i had absolutely and i was blessed that the first afternoon i had a play um and yeah i got into a couple elk parties as well and yeah, I guess hunting in itself is that you're constantly evolving yourself and your own tactics and, and abilities. So, But the the one thing that stood out for me was just being aggressive initially and just getting into that spot first mm-hmm. uh, and then assessing it once you were there. You can, you can easily back out, but you can't rush yourself in there if you're too far behind. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's a good description. Dan, you, you've been chasing <laughs> these things like a lot of it. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times when we're hunting and we're hunting together, we do a lot of glassing, spotting them, uh, making plays. Uh, we found them refuging in the thicker cover this time around. And a lot of it is just hunting during the rut and listening to them and chasing those bugles. But it's all about knowing when to slow down and when to pause. Like that element of surprise is everything on those plays, isn't it? Exactly. That's why, like, you guys immediately brought up guys calling and be. I mean, you just call it as it is. There's a lot of guys that love to blow on their bugle tubes, and it's kind of wild to me still to this day that I'm seeing guys and each to their own. Everybody does their own routine. Every, you know, things work for different guys. It's all good, but it's it's amazing to me how early people want to give up their location. It's pretty wild to me. Um, I'm a hundred percent spot and stock. Don't call. Don't you know anything like that? And I just I love when uh, the animals I'm hunting have no idea I'm there. Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's just kind of wild. We watch these up. We watched with guys hunting pressure around us. We had guys above us, below us, next to us. We were running into them. I mean, it's public land. You're gonna have hunting pressure. You're gonna have, you know, this and that, and buggies ripping around, and guys on horses ripping around, and everything. It's just it's wild to interact with the elk and be in close. We were in bow range so often yeah. i mean we yeah we were in thick trees thick thick cover we we're trying to get you know a, a bull to actually stop moving because it's like <laughs> peak of the rut things are ripping around so we're actually trying to make a you know we're in close i mean we're in we're in 30 40 50 if not even tighter like i was in that 16 today on elk um so it's just kind of wild to watch these elk interact with um guys either a cow calling at them or bugling at them and how much it either shuts them down or pushes them pushes them away yeah i mean it's like it's immediate i mean their interaction they they immediately turn their heads they pinpoint exactly where that came from and whether it's a different elk or whether it's a hunter they pinpoint them immediately so that position is already given up Mm -hmm. so you lost your element of surprise just like that so it's kind of wild we we would leave from camp and we would hike and hike and hike and go a few miles and get all of a elevation get all the way up there and we're hunting in thick timber as soon as you messed up one mistake um you were spotted you were winded you whatever it was movement sound whatever it was i mean that whole entire play was almost over mm-hmm. you would almost have to be like all right sit back wait for another bugle go chase a different bugle because the one that you were just on is over yeah so it's just kind of like i mean you know brian and i've been hunting a long time up here um it's still the learning curve. You, you, it's like these stupid mistakes that are almost accidental, you know, I mean, cause you can't handle everything. Mm-hmm. Things are going to happen in the wild, but it's just kind of, it is wild how much it changes and how much uh, hunting pressures around n- nowadays and just how the, how the elk tolerate hunting pressure. I mean, they're still doing their thing. They're still breeding cows. They're still bugling, still rutting, which is great to witness and great to be part of. Um, but I mean, even now, more so than ever, I am not touching a bugle tube. Apart from yesterday. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think the guys that do it and do it well, yes. they, they understand elk and elk behavior where they uh, may use one for a locate, they have a bull located, and then they're really going to circle around and get the topography or where that bull's headed. And you can see in the right scenario when those bulls are in the right mood where you could Challenge trick them and call them in, yep, you know. Yep. And, um, I, you know, and I think also when you're shooting for any legal bull or, you know, a lot of times these satellite bulls are big bulls like you guys saw 320 330 satellite at one point um so a lot of these satellites you know can be called in on the edges of the mm -hmm. herd so yeah and i think we see you know we see some guys too that um it's addictive to have that interaction with them but yeah i think the biggest mistake out there is just calling too much i think it's good yeah. to have that in your uh, bag of tricks to be able to use at your disposal mm -hmm. like uh, you know and i think sometimes um, at least for myself, like I kind of lack that as I'm so, um, I, I'm so deterred, like I'm so set in spot and stock cause it's worked so well for me. Yep. Um, but you know, I think it, I could possibly be a better elk hunter if I'd use those calls a little I, bit more I, here and there in the I right situation. I do love the idea of the locate. The locate's sweet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, how, I mean, anytime, like if you're up there early, you got a vantage point, you're up there. It's like, how cool would it be to have an early start on a lake locate bugle? I mean, that, that's a great idea. If it works for a guy, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. Maybe me, you know, I should, I should probably work on that. That's just something I should be extremely good at. I mean, why not? Why, it's just going to help you. Mm -hmm. And I think like, like we don't need, it doesn't seem like you need to locate. It seems like the elk are bugling or making noise on their own. And so a lot of yep, times exactly. it's just like listening for them, yep. you know, and it's like, Oh, well, I don't, I don't need to cow call or bugle right now and give away my position or let them know there's another bull here, another hunter. Like I'll just stand here and listen and then hear him and then can yeah. start closing in and start. But, um, it's, a, it's amazing how effective it is on these elk. Um, like you say, we, we all had chances and got into range and passed some bulls and really chased some, um, big mature elk, you know, around in the mountains. So, I mean, it was a really cool experience, like, um, uh, chase them that way. Like I get the same, the same enjoyment out of that as I do calling to them. Well, definitely. I think the, and we went back to the timing of it, it, it changed as well. Like there was mm -hmm. a couple of moments there. I wish I could call probably like, you know, we mm -hmm. sat mid stalk and we're like, it'd be awesome to be confident enough to blow a cow call right now. Like, cause it was just like, there was a big satellite ball coming in. We, we had our target ball there that I think we all had a play at. Yeah. <laughs> and he's a, he's pretty, something pretty special. And we had the big satellite come in and we kind of just needed him to come, you know, 20, 20 yards or something like, you know, we just needed something to happen. It was kind of like a standoff, like a Mexican standoff. And, it was sort of like we needed someone, you know, something needed to happen. And I, I said to Dan, I said, I'd love to be confident enough to blow a call here, but there's no way I'm blowing these out. So, <laughs> but it was like one of those moments. And, you know, I remember one of the first mornings, I think it was first or second morning, you had that big satellite just cruising, just yeah. looking yep. for cows. You know, nose was on yeah, the ground. He was super aggressive. He was almost looking for something like that. He yep. was looking for an opportunity to, I don't want to say get called in, but he was looking for oppor an opportunity to find another cow or to, to stay a little bit far enough away from that giant bull to mm -hmm. feel comfortable. Because, I mean, they had standoff after standoff. Like, he knew his boundaries around that big yep. bull like crazy. So, he w you're right. That would have been pr probably prime time to be extremely efficient on a cow call or, or a smaller bugler. I mean, whatever, whatever it takes. I mean... Mm -hmm. I mean, that probably would have worked. Yeah. Seriously, it would Yeah, and, you know, I, I think I'm just not confident enough to 
yep. do it around them. That's, yep. that's I think the key that. there is having a call that is actually realistic. So I had some stalks that were just destroyed by guys that were late to the party that were calling in unnatural scenarios. Like so desperate were, calling? Yeah. Oh, look... Walking middle of meadows. Middle of a meadow, bugling. So you're alerting the animals to look your direction, but yet you're out in the middle of a meadow and there's already bedded cows and and nothing else was responding and they're just calling, hoping to hear something call back. Um, Cow calling once the animals are already spooked and running. Mm -hmm. Like the cows aren't calling when they're running away. Like just match the scenario to what the animals are doing. So there's no point cow calling if the cows aren't calling in the herd <laughs> same as there's no point bugling if the bull's not bugling at you but yet i, I seen guys bugling thinking that they had cow, uh, bulls responding but they weren't responding to them they were just responding to the cows running away and and the bulls were bugling their cows trying to herd them back in and these guys thought they were responding to their bugles which in reality most of them sounded like coyotes tearing rabbits apart or something <laughs> like that didn't sound like bulls um so knowing your own ability too, like practice at home practice in your car don't practice while you're in the woods because you're just killing your own opportunities for yep. stalks and hunts yep. something i've been working on is uh hunt a lot of different places and i've actually brought it up i think brian and i were talking the other night brought it up again that I don't want to say I got lax mid-hunt or, or I'm going to a different area and I got lax, but it seems like even here, you never know where all the bulls are middle of the day. They could be bedded. They could be traveling. Um, it's like you almost like give up on, on hunting for a minute just to get to a different location or get to go have lunch or get to go back to camp or whatever. But you, like I, I fell short a couple different times I can remember where I, I should have been on my game. I should have still been sneaking through. I should have been almost still hunting. And like I ended up bumping a couple of critters by, by just kind of being David and just being kind of like, you know, reckless going through the, going through the hills. And I'm just, I need to get better about that. Um, there's a lot of elk around this time of year. Um, the big parties are kind of separating or the, or the, the big herds are getting together. So it's pulling bulls in from all different directions. They have like a single cow or whatever is going on. So like elk right now are extremely, uh, traveling. They're, they're cruising miles per day. And it's like, you can't ever just give up midway. Even if it's the middle of the day, you almost have to like go through country. Like you're still hunting it. I made a couple of mistakes on this last couple trips where i've i've kind of come up short by doing that yeah i i can add to that too so i I got my best talk of the whole trip i got in on a a seven by eight ball uh i at the same in the same party i i had been in on 26 yards on a on a smaller six point ball and and i i passed him up knowing that i had either side of him had big bulls bugling and these couple smaller bulls were running in between them uh, I make the play in on what sounded like the bigger bull, like he was a little bit more raspy, and I get in there and 40 yards, 37 yards, had a pine there, he's bugling, and downhill shot, all I need him to take is two more steps. He's got cows coming up next to me, they're 10 yards away, and then all of a sudden everything, all of the animals below me just turn 40 or yeah, 45 degrees downhill on the ridge and, and here's old mate just stumbling up the ridge be like down there and, and blows them all out. The bull still holding, still he didn't know why his cows took off and didn't quite get the shot off. 
this guy starts cow calling as the, the whole herd, like 30 animals has taken off. And it's like, meow, 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 meow. It's like, man, they're gone. Like, mm-hmm. no point cow calling now. Every animal's gone. And so I, oh, I sort of just kick in my shoes and I, I'm a bit disjointed by the whole thing. Like, oh, man, I'd been here for an hour getting into that position and you just killed it in a couple of minutes and start making my way back to camp. And I hear these couple of bugles. I'm like, Fucking hell. Sorry, Brian. Um, <laughs> that, does, that does not even sound like a bugle. Just put your tube away, pal. And going down and again, ooh, ooh. And I'm like, that's, that's the worst sounding elk bugle I've ever heard in my life. And and then take a few more steps and I can smell it. Like, Man, that smells like elk. Like, can't replicate that with a bugle <laughs> tube. And and then he goes again. I'm like, oh, man, he's just there. So I, I pop down to where I hear him. And then, yeah, sure enough, there's 30 head of cows and there's one bull on there just right below me. But I was so caught up in the moment of this guy destroying my previous hunt yeah. that I wasn't ready for the next one. And, boy, did it cost me because they were – 80 yards below me I had everything in my favour but yet I just didn't have my head in the game all because I was still kicking myself over what had happened an hour earlier and just stay in it just you just got to stay in the game Mm -hmm. I think we all I I think we all had the the second play syndrome Mm -hmm. I, I know I definitely did you know my best play was you know, we're talking about pressured elk and finding the, you know, Brian's, you know, big on finding that area where that elk's going to feel safe. And we probably threw the rule book out the window one session. You know, we're, we're on the road, we're driving along. Brian's ahead, we both break at the same time. There's a bull and get, well, I seen the cows, but Brian's seen the bull. 300 yards above a, a, a main news track to a, to a camp area. And, and we're just, I'm like, what are those elk doing there? Uh, okay. Long story short, like I made a play. I come in the top. We had that real bad wind that day, you know. That sort of holding up in the trees, you know. And I, I made a, like a good stalk in. I had the he was bedded sort of 65, 70 yards away to my left. You know, I got into 55. I had a a window to play with, you know, which I thought was plenty of room. You know, the bull finally gets up. He's fed, the cows had fed away to my right, you know, behind a big pine tree, so they couldn't, there was no no look. 55 yards, he props before my window. As he walked through my window, he kind of ran, he, you know, he was chasing a cow or whatever he was doing. And I, I tried to pull him up with a call, like just a, just a meal out of, my, out of my mouth. And he ran through my window behind the pine tree. So I'm just immediately like it was like okay plays over boom i stand up i'm like oh i wonder where he is like i just i just willy-nilly sort of took 10 <laughs> yards and uh, this cow just comes around the tree and looks at me i'm like why did you even move like they had no idea i was there so within seconds you know what are we talking 30 seconds to a minute i've gone from you know spending an hour to get into the position to, to possibly take him and you know, I blew it in 30 seconds because it was just a, a straight mind lapse because my first play died and the second one was well and truly alive, but I just literally just switched straight off. Like that attention to my surroundings just left. And I blew that out of the water in a matter of 30 seconds after that. Like it was gone. And that was the whole afternoon session. He was a big old gnarly bull. Like Brian got to see him better, you know, pretty good. You know, big fronts and, you know, had everything we're looking for, the older style bull and, and and then but then I was filthy you know the same thing it's all too late to be filthy after it but 
had to learn from that was like you just you're not out of it until it's dark really like until you ran out of light you're not out of it mm-hmm. you know those kind of things happen to us as well you know i my last play on a good ball was not last night night before and yeah you know, i literally just ran out of light but you know we're bare feet hands and knee crawling up mountains through dead you know dead wood trying to trying to make plays on these elk that are just caught up in high timber but no one else was even seeing these bulls because you know they weren't doing the plays where we're doing and i know we're not successful so I, I understand we haven't punched the tag and there was other guys that did but i'm pretty sure that we probably seen the more mature bulls and the bulls that we're trying to target i think we see more of them and we probably had more plays than the most are in probably our drainage mm-hmm. absolutely yeah good understanding of what those elk were doing yeah, it's um, it's it's one thing you just think, gosh, I just need to get a bull in range, and then when you're really into them and you're into the elk party and the elk action, and it's you know there's multiple bulls, and the more bulls there are, the more competition, the more bugles, the easier they are to locate to get on. Uh, but you know, being in a place like that, chasing around, then you realize like how difficult they are to kill. Like it's, you know, it isn't a a one play and done or you get your one chance and it's a dead bull. We all had close encounters, but it's waiting also for that right angle and that right shot. And that it seems like there's always a limb in the way or they're on the other side of the cows or they're, you know, there's just always something, you know, it's like you really got to work hard and fight for your opportunity to try to find it, to try to find that good angle inside your effective range. But, you know, it's like, keeping that element of surprise is is the the biggest key to it is just not letting them know they're there and even if they walk off if they don't know that they're being hunted then you can continue to get on them and if you don't bump them and blow them out of the country then in the evening you know where that bowl is and then that evening he's coming down out of the thick into kind of the open or the edges of those meadows and feeding and bugling and you got a good chance to kill him so it's it's all about you know, like riding that that fine line between being aggressive and and getting into the elk and getting to them to give yourself a chance, but also you know being patient enough to be able to see them and go, I can't move here, I'm too close. Like I just got to let things happen or let them walk over the next ridge or just let it develop here. And then also, um, like uh, you know, talk about the stocks or the plays on them, but the the winds, like really learning what the winds are doing in those mountains. I mean, it does take this higher understanding of the winds up there, and the winds are what really help you kill a bull up there. And the, in fact, the the bull I killed that night, uh, my wind. So he was down in a drainage, and um, the directionals were coming pretty much from me to the elk over there. But I knew as I dropped down into that gulch and into that low, you know, I knew that those thermals were going to take over, and it was all shaded. I knew they were going to be coming down the hill, and I was able to slip in right down and below those things. And sure enough, like, there's nothing better than when you predict what the wind's going to do, and you get down there, and it's just right in your face. You know, you're just like, oh, at least I got the wind right. But then... You just need a little, you need them to move somewhere or do something. And they were feeding across the timber and I was working in and they were in bow range and you're trying to keep tabs on their head and which direction they're looking, um, trying to pay attention to which way they're moving to. And like where you'll, where I used to get busted a lot is like, um, I, I guess we all do is like to kill a bull, you have to go all in. You have to go get into these elk. You have to risk it, but you just 
like you you can't be reckless or move when they can see you. So you just it's all about knowing when to stop and when you can push it a little bit and get in a little bit closer and when you have to stop. Really keeping tabs on everything and just trying to put yourself in a good position and then you know, my bull read the script and came running out down in a meadow, like down right by me, you know, to give me a good bow shot at last light, which it was, you know, it's just, I was there to be lucky and kept the element of surprise and it came together, you know, but, um, man, that's why that elk hunting is so fun. It's so challenging to make those right moves to get in, you know, that close and, um, make it happen. Um, man, it's, Dan, you've been close this week. You've been on some good bulls. Man, oh, man, is there some giants around. Like, um, I love that older age class. There's such an intensity to their bugle. Uh, like, the the one was nicknamed the dragon. And I think all four of us had a chance at him. I had him one night in bow range. I chased him for two hours. It was one of the best nights at elk hunting. I heard over 200 bugles. I actually thought another bull was another... Uh, somebody bugling at him and it I was like how is he getting up there so quick and then it turns out it's another bowl and they go nuts for the night but you had a good chance at that bowl as well right yeah, it's a good times. heavy six yeah several times I got on him close you know multiple days and in bow range several several times so it was pretty cool I actually feel like I never actually blew that bowl out Craig and I were on him uh once or twice yeah. at least um, yeah, he was a great bull. He was just super fun to have the opportunity to hunt a bull that caliber. Yes. Uh, so he was around. So it just kind of always kept you on your toes because he was just he's just next level, which is just super fun and super cool. I mean, a lot of good bulls this year. It's actually one of the better years I've seen for quality bulls. It's actually going it's going off really good right now. So. Um, yeah, just having the opportunity, uh, today I was in, in close, in tight, uh, some really good bulls around, some brand new ones that showed up in our drainage and just, uh, you know, same, same level. I mean, we're talking mountain bulls on public land that, you know, I'm not even stretching the tape that are going, you know, like satellite bulls that are 320, 330 and like some, some herd bulls, uh, hard to get on that are pushing that 350 plus mark. I mean, they're, they're around you. They're here. Um, we're seeing them. We started starting to see them on private here and there. And I mean, they're up in the mountains to start with and, and we're actually hunting them and chasing them around, which is super fun. We got close. We're in bow range so many times. It's just, they're big old bulls and smart and, for a reason i mean it's it's tough you know like it's it is fun just to be in bow range oh, i mean oh my god like you say to have an opportunity to hunt bulls of that caliber is amazing and yeah. josh is, is legendary he captured a picture of like our yeah. big herd bull that we were all chasing he like he packs this um it's a canon uh camera that has a 25x zoom just gets some amazing photos of different critters and bulls this week but um man that was um as much of a trophy to me just that you got that photo and shared it with us all josh that was a good image <laughs> yeah it's always it's a bit of a balance between the camera and and making the plays but it's always nice to have the camera there in hand and I, I tried to find that balance between the two but it was nice to get in on a bull that you guys had been talking in camp on and everyone had said oh man when you see this thing you're gonna know it and yeah pretty much the next play i was up there i, I was on him so yeah that was great um, I think the other thing worth talking on, just to just to expand on what you're talking about, the wins is I think the single best play that I'd seen the whole trip amongst all of us was was actually one of Dan's plays early in the morning where he's got those catabatic winds coming down, and it, like just dropping down in the morning, and there's bulls bugling either side of him in ridges, and he just decides to 
punch it up to the top ridge and, and sit there and be patient and wait for those thermals to shift and start rising up for him and and then try to intercept the bulls on their way up. And it, he, he nailed it. He, he had these animals coming up to him and I was just so impressed by that, that play itself. It was just like, man, that that's elk 101 and... He, he managed to get in between all of these animals that were pushing up to get to the high point and beat them up there, which is not an easy feat at the best of times. And then not only that, had them coming along the pads towards him. So the, 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 the shot didn't play out the way he would have wanted, but everything else in that did. So understanding your wins and understanding what they're doing it in the morning and the evenings, as well as the prevailing weather conditions as well. We dealt with some pretty crazy winds a lot of swirling stuff and some you can predict some you can't mm-hmm. but just making the best out of what you can but that for me was all I, and I think I said to you Brian I said man that was such a smart play like I was so impressed it was great and and it gave me inspiration to want to be starting to do some of the same thing myself so Good to you, Dan. That was no, great, man. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, no, we started having some storm fronts come in and everything, and, and it kind of changes everything. It changes the elk behavior, and it changes the winds up there, especially when we got cloud cover during the hottest part of the days, and we got a little bit of rain and stuff. I mean, kind of everything kind of changes. Like, you have this mental play and where you want to be and where you want to set up at and where you're, you think the correct wind's going to be, and then you get these storms that come in, and it kind of changes everything. You almost have to just... I don't want to say gas, but you just got to get up there and play it. And I, uh, I got up there early enough that I was like, man, this is not going to work. <laughs> like where I was at, like this is not going to play out to my favor. So I ended up just stopping, taking my pack off, and I threw my bow on the pack. And then I just got mean with it, and I went all the way up as high as I could just to get out of everybody's everybody's way, let everybody, everything kind of come up and settle. And I knew kind of where they were bedding or I had an idea where they were going to bed. And I got up there and I ended up blowing through there, getting up above them. And so I kind of knew where they were heading and just kind of had a thought in my mind. And so get up there, let everything kind of calm down, let those thermals kind of get to a little bit more directional, a little bit more like what's going to happen during the day. And then they were still beagling, still moving. So I just ended up just being able to come down kind of right where their, their bedding feature was and just kind of slowly put in that. So I just, it was just uh, taking a gamble, taking a risk, but it was just something to try definitely when the thermals were a little bit, a little bit uh, shady and a little changed. So uh, yeah, super fun. I just I like trying different things like that. Brian and I were always kind of challenging each other and, and uh, picking each other's brain on what would work or what we should try or what did, what definitely didn't work. I mean, those are always there's a lot of things that didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was it just that one worked out. Uh, you know, I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't get to punch my tag on that particular uh, stock, but uh, it was it was probably one of my my best encounters of the year. So it was good. I don't want to I don't want to say anything went really that wrong. It was it was great. It was super fun. So no, I. Appreciate Appreciate you saying that. It was it was good. It was a good risk to take. I like it. I think that was what was helpful in camp. You know, we we obviously had a fall in camp, and we still are. But um, I think it was the ability to come back and share. You know, the experiences of the session. I think I touched on it before. But the big one was me. I, I probably wasn't as aggressive as as anybody. You know, I was. I probably got a little bit sort of more concerned about. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, ruin this stalk. You know, maybe I'll make a play this afternoon. But I. I quickly realised that there was probably no real afternoon play because of the amount of pressure and that that was in there. You kind of, and I, Brian touched it in conversation here this afternoon, but um, or it might have been you, Dan, but you, know, you, you kind of learnt that that play was, you actually had to make that play. Like you couldn't just back off and go, 
I'll see how I go this afternoon or this evening or whatever. It was like you were in there. You kind of nearly made it to make it happen. It was probably that session I had with you, Dan, where we pushed on that yep. big bull probably yep. two hours longer than we should have. Um, and it was following yours, Brian, when you followed me up in that meadow and you like it was like 50-50 whether you're going to break through the meadow or not. But you either got the chance or you didn't. And Josh did that plenty in the start. It was like that push just to get into that position. It was either going to happen or it wasn't. And it probably took me longer than it normally would to get to that confidence level to maybe just go, right, I'm, I'm going to try to make it happen. And when I did click to that was probably when I started having the better opportunities. Obviously, you know, various reasons, you know, wind or whatever, it didn't come around. But I think that's what the game changer for me over the last three weeks was the fact that just earning, I guess, earning that confidence a little bit, like you had to go through the trials and tribulations of the, the disappointment of not getting even close to then actually getting right in there and, and yeah, you know, busting a couple. I had one where I had a great play where the cow fed 100 yards below the bull. I still haven't seen the bull, but yet she finally caught my wind. He just held high for whatever reason. I had every cow spread up between that 100 yards. So I did everything what I thought was right, but they had different things in mind. And that happens, you know. We, mm -hmm. we can't control what they're going to do. Josh had that this morning. We could have read, you know, read sort of wrote the book to say that that was the pad they were going to take and they did some weird zigzag through the little canyon and <laughs> yeah, it, it never happened. <laughs> it was the only pad through the only that pad there. and they didn't follow it through. No, so, so, you know, you can't control what the animals are going to do. Like, we're all guessing. We're all out there trying our hardest, you know. I can see why guys call, you know, because you will get bulls come in. There's no question mm -hmm. those satellites and that are coming come in and, and obviously herd bulls get shot doing it as well. So mm -hmm. I can understand why trying to, you know, shortcut that. But I think, you know, yeah, I think it goes back as a massive learning curve and, you know, I guess we would have been cheering if we all tagged out in that first week, but I think there was a lot left that we didn't learn. We wouldn't have learned that what we have. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and I guess we're all pretty patient. Like, you know, we've had, <laughs> we've had our ups and downs, but, you know, Carrying out Brian's bull was probably one of the highlights of my trip. I just think that was, you know, it's hard work, but, you know, it was something pretty special, I thought. And the way that all played out, I, I'm pretty sure that was the bull that Josh had a play at, you know, early in the piece. And and that was probably a big day for Josh and I. Like, that probably broke, I said to Dan today, that probably broke a few fitness barriers. And I think we sort of kicked into another level after that day. Like, mm -hmm. it was... And that's another thing to touch on as well. You know, I probably come and I haven't come into this in a condition that probably to keep up with well, no one's going to keep up with Brian but you know and Dan as well but you know we tried and, and I think as we got towards the end you can see why that is such a huge advantage as well you know being able to run up get up above the elk when they're coming in you know Josh's fitness level was above mine you know chasing deer around at home and you know being able to get up and above them and, and make plays like that so you know I know everyone can't be tri you know triathletes but Certainly having that fitness level there for the mountains, I think it can really, really help your success level. And it and it certainly paid. You know, you guys, Brian, you went into and shot that bull where, you know, to be honest with you, I struggled to get in and back out with Josh. So, um, you know, big plays and, and you got in and made it happen. And, you know, I think I think there's a big part of that too. Um, you know, in your experience in the hills, you know, obviously helps, but you still guys don't still control what those elk are doing. So, you know, we're all on the same le level there in, in some way. We are. It's wild. It's um, 
you know, we all start out in an evening or a morning hunt and you have to make a decision where you're going to go and where you're going to hunt. And, um, you know, we try to split opportunities. If you hear one bugle, it's like, oh, you go after that one today. I'll go over here, up here, out there, wherever it is. But yeah, you have to make these decisions throughout a hunt or where you're going to hunt and you're trying to go to the right place. But it, it doesn't always work out, but you just have to give it your all when you're in there. And if you you have to be present on that hunt. You can't be thinking that the grass is always greener. I should have gone this way or I could have gone that way. It's like, no, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to hunt it really hard. I'm going to glass and I'm going to listen. And if, if I find them, great, I'm going to go hunt them. But if not, I'll know that I made a good hike down and through here. I made a good look for them and they're not here. I can rule this place out, go hunt somewhere else. But it, it's pretty wild when we get in those search patterns for elk right where we'd get to a new area and we'd all just split up yeah. on these hunts and go cool. out to these ridge lines and then come back and then share what we saw and, yeah. and you're right like season you know elk are so nomadic that that you could be in the best elk country in the world and they were there yesterday or they're there tomorrow and so like a lot of the magic is trying to time it when they're in these locations and you could see that second week they were pretty hot and heavy up there you know that the earlier trip we made up top where they were pretty hot and heavy and the last trip you know how you know i found a bull up there and you stalked a bull the night before but they were definitely it. less of them yeah. up and through there they yep. had made their move down and through there so it is it's like um chasing a ghost sometimes and you could see it with a lot of these hunters where you know we'd get dialed in on a you know a couple different spots and locations where the elk were but you'd see new guys come in on a buggy or on a truck and boy if you just guess wrong by half a mile or 500 yards or you go right when you should have gone left you don't hear an elk and all of a sudden yep. the guy that went left is like gosh you should see the party i got into <laughs> like how many times do we see that from somebody like somebody would always get into well, him somewhere i think that was every day i think someone come back and said i got into him and then we're like you're kidding me well, i haven't heard a like poor Josh had three days of silence. Yeah, I reckon I had five <laughs> sessions of just walking in on to other hunters. So shout out to those guys. A couple of them, I sat there and chatted with them a bit. They were great guys, idea. but yeah. I, I was there for elk, not for hunters. And yeah, I just zig when I should have been zagging, and that's part of the game, right? Mm -hmm. That yeah, is part I'd, of yeah. it. I definitely played that. You know, the first week. Not that I was, but like you, everyone was in a awesome camp. The atmosphere was awesome. You know, you're in the elk woods. You know, there, there's just I don't know. Uh, I'm, you mule deer guys, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> elk, but, you know, but no, elk's my thing, and and you know, I'm certainly certain no expert and a big learner. But you know, to come back and hear the stories, I've got this close, and I had this stalk, and you know, we all had our runs. You know, over the three weeks, and I, you know, Josh, um, sorry. Dan and Brian had to go back to work a few days, so it was Josh and I, and it was staying then. You know, Josh would get into him, and I, I hadn't seen or heard an elk, and then it'd have flipped the next day. But I had one a particular sort of little ridge, and it held a bull nearly every time I went out there, and you know, sort of started getting a bit quiet, and and it, no one was hitting it, like it just they hadn't been there. And Dan goes out there this morning, and that's where the party was. And yeah. but you know, you just it's just a matter of making that right decision as you said brian it's like well i'm gonna head this ridge i haven't seen anything out there for the last four four sessions but today might be the day and you know dan took took that one i was too worried there was going to be a bear down there so i, I went a different direction but <laughs> dan, dan went that way and some he, bears around you were close on a couple black bears huh yeah, you could have well, shot some before you had a tag oh. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I've got to do to punch a tag, but anyway. That's you did punch story. one. I you killed an antelope. Yeah. A uh, buzzer beater. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, Josh, Josh, he punched his tag first. He got a nice little muley down. Yeah, no, I, we'll, I reckon we'll you should nearly reimburse my bear tag because I only paid for my bear tag because of the ones you were seeing. <laughs> <laughs> and then even that one's after, on Craig. <laughs> even after getting my tag, the only bear I seen was a grizz. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. That bear identification test came in handy. Huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. God, hey, they it, didn't do prints, bro. It doesn't do prints, though. So, yeah, yeah. I am... After the rain, finding fresh bear prints and thinking, oh, yeah, I'm on here. I'm just going to track this guy and tracked him for over a mile and a half through open cattle pads and then through The heck of a tracking job. Oh, yeah, and doubling back (laughs) and coming back and finding the right path through the long grass and find his bed from the night before and then think, oh, yeah, I'm really close now and then pop my head over the next meadow and they're 100 yards away is a... I don't know. Big old silverback yeah, grizzly. Big, big grizz. <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't know how big a big grizz is, but this thing was, yeah, he was a big grizz. So put it this way, it doesn't take much. It takes a lot for Josh to turn around and back out of something, yeah, and he backed out of that one. Yeah, so. it scared me out of taking photos of him anyway. So I got out of there because I, <laughs> I, I had my bear spray, but everyone I bumped into, they're like, "Is that all you're carrying around?" Like, that's all I thought I needed to carry around, but yeah. You had one too. You had a pretty close call too, Dan. Yeah, I did. I was coming in to help you guys out, pack, pack Brian's bull out, and I ended up going up the ridge and getting in there. Uh, I guess I was, I don't know if I was late or if I was early, but I got up on the ridge. I think I was quite a ways above you guys and uh, ended up coming across uh, 30 yards face-to-face with a big boar. So, yeah, I ended up uh, just kind of backing out of there with pistol in hand, bear spray ready ready to go, and just kind of ended up backtracking back out of there. And I was like, ah, oh, those boys got that bull. I'll just hang out here with the, by the, by the motorbikes and send me over here. So, yeah, it was super close. Um, been around a lot of bears in my life, but that was a super close, and he just didn't care. He saw me, made eye contact, and he just did not care, was not scared of me at all. Yeah. So it was just kind of, it was just kind of wild. So just something to, you know, head on a swivel up in that country, which is which is great, which is fine. I, I actually very much enjoy it. I know a lot of people don't like it. And it's super uncomfortable, but uh, I don't know because it gives me a little bit of a thrill and it's uh, real up there. I mean, you got to do smart decisions and and uh, trust what you're going to do up there. So um, yeah, super fun. A lot of opportunities. It was it was a great time. Dude, it's one of the wildest places. I just love that mountain range, like where I was able to kill that bull at that top end. And it's my first bull from this range. I've hunted it before a bunch and learned a bunch of different spots, but to hunt it on that top end, just with these sparse meadows everywhere and above 9,000 feet. And, um, uh, man, it's, it's just the coolest country to go chase them. I mean, all the country that we've hunted up in there, yeah. but what a cool range to go chase them. And, you know, they're, you know, at first, you know, not that I got frustrated, but I started chasing elk and getting into elk and finding a lot of smaller sixes, which is, which are great bulls and they're good bulls to shoot, you know, even some herd bull sixes. But um, yeah, it took a little while and then started seeing some of those next level heavier bulls, which is just great. They were just in there, just got to run into them, you know, and we saw, uh, we did see some great quality bulls, but there's every age class in there. You see the young ones too. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Josh, you came over to shoot any legal bull and, you know, then um, you started seeing some of those bigger ones and hearing those bugles and started chasing those pretty hot and heavy 
past a couple fives and sixes and things, you know. But yeah. um, it's hard to not get caught up in that. Oh, it to is. Be honest, it's like, the funnest, uh, right? When you're seeing that many, like we were seeing a lot of like mature animals, so it's it's easy to say, you know what, like I'm I'm day five. I'm I'm not interested in that five point right now because. 100 yards away i could see a big six point or something like that or you guys had seen one on that ridge or you could hear another one bugling and it's a bit like chasing the dragon like you you're constantly looking at that next bugle or listening for the next bugle or chasing it's that chasing next bull. chasing the dragon <laughs> it is oh, for sure uh, constantly and Man, that that bull had us gone the whole four of us we were hopeless yeah. We yeah. It's funny. Uh, the name changed actually midway through the hunt. I showed back up, and the mid the the name of that bull actually changed. It went from what were you guys calling him the dragon, and it changed grave to digger. grave digger. So it's just kind of like that thing was just wild. He was actually up there. He was raking the ground so hard with his friends that he was throwing throwing dirt up in the air and stuff. He was just marking a spot. But yeah, Great. I mean, just super fun. A lot of good bulls around. I mean, that was that was definitely a true giant. But there was there were several others that were. We're dang good. Oh, dang yeah. good. Good yeah. mountain six point gets me excited. Oh, yeah, the heavy you know. mass, the dark yeah. horn timber bulls is they're they're pretty cool. Cool to see, cool to be be around and what yeah. what was funny was we knew we were struggling to gonna kill him in that country. Oh absolutely. But we no, could we, not we yeah. could not help ourselves. Well, why leave bulls to go find bulls? Well I said I don't know who I said it to the last couple of days, but there was a couple of parts to our decision to hunt the last five days where we did because we had no pressure. So we'd battled, yep. you know, hunting pressure for the last couple of weeks. We knew the bulls, majority of the bulls had been moving out of that country. So like it was a challenge to go, do we leave? Because we only, we only had a few days left. You know, we're probably talking Friday, Saturday. Um, it's now Monday, Tuesday. Now Tuesday. Um, so we only had a few days up our sleeve and it's like, look, do we move another location? The elk obviously really starting to move some country. You know, they're heading to a bit of private and all those kind of things. And I think I think I sort of made the decision in my head. Looks like we kind of got this to ourselves. We're still he hearing the old bugle. There's, we know there's still the odd bull, you know, in the in the in the in the drainage. And I think that was a decision that I sort of made there, sort of Friday Saturday, was to stay there. You know, less hunting pressure, maybe less animals, but at least we got a play. When we made a play, you're kind of on your own. Um, whether that was the right decision now, yeah. <laughs> who knows? But then you walk back out there this morning, and and the party's happening in the same drainage been sitting in there for the last week. Like yeah, it, absolutely, it was, six brand new bulls that just show up. Yeah, they're just moving country, you know, moving their cows, moving yeah. bulls, running into other bulls and other parties, and yeah, it just absolutely went off this morning. Yeah. So yeah, you never know when you're going to find that. I mean, I wish we had a little bit stronger crystal ball up our sleeves, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just a matter of luck and and uh, trying to find trying to find yeah. where they where they are, you know. Yeah, well, I made that. Play on that like the last play I had and you know he's a big old heavy timber ball you know and I did you know what what they were doing a week and a half ago you know they'd be dropping and things like that but those elk aren't silly they know their pressure they know what they're doing so I you know it was I think he bugled at six o'clock you know I got across got under him thermals probably the best wind I've had for the three weeks in honesty and I sat underneath him and I'm like I'm going to give him to seven to drop and then I'm going up after him. <laughs> it was called to seven. That thing didn't move. And I'm like, right, you know, I did the Josh boots off. Up I went. Yeah, ran out of light, you know. And I thought to myself, geez, if I just had known that he wasn't going to drop and I hadn't been dropping, but I was I was giving him that opportunity because he had moved. Yeah. 
And that damn bull, as soon as it, as soon as those lights turned off, he went straight down that ridge with his cows and across the road. And I'm like, you, I just, yeah, I, I just had to laugh because he knows. He just knew that as soon as those lights go off, he's safe. He's going down. So like, that was if he knew, you know, knew someone was there chasing him. You know what I mean? And, exactly. They're not silly animals, and that's what I mean. We can play, make all the plays perfect. We can do everything in the textbook, but they are still their own mind, and and you know we think they're going to come down. I think Dan, you said it down there. It's like no, they should, they should, they, they can't, they won't work up. It's it's the evening. They were they worked up. Yeah. Uh, Josh actually was above us, having yeah. a making a play on another ball that we had no idea about. We thought they got we winded them. Was like man, we must really stink. Like we haven't been back to town for a few days, but. Man, we're not that bad, are we? But yeah, that was blowing down <laughs> was onto Josh. another herd. But I think there's something in that what you just started on, Craig, in that we were hunting animals in areas that we didn't think we were going to get plays and hunts on them, and mm-hmm. um, expanding a bit on that for people in that because that was the heavy hunting pressure pushing these animals up into the thicker cover, and we had to hunt them in there because they just weren't dropping out of it in the daylight mm-hmm. hours. So. Oh. Probably something for Dan and and Brian to extrapolate a little bit on for us because I'm, I'm very much a newbie. But yeah, we we were forced into hunting them in that country that was extremely difficult as humans to navigate. So <laughs> <laughs> a lot more effort goes involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's just um, you said they kind of pressured into some thicker cover, and we were hunting. Uh, some old logged off country and so we had a bit of reprod that was thick we had old timber we had downfall timber and so it was key to like find the hard trails through country the hard trails you could actually move and be quiet you could be quiet in the meadows but you had to look out for the leaves that sounded like popcorn every time you touched them and so you, you you're just trying to it's it's this dance of still hunting through this country because you've got to see the elk before they see you. That's key. Uh, but you also can't go so slow that you can't keep up or catch up to a bugling elk. And so it's a bit of this fine line and this dance of trying to use that cover, trying to stay on the hard trails, stay out of the downfall timber. And, and sometimes these, these elk just lead you into that downfall stuff and you're so noisy in it and there's just no chance of killing them. You're just hoping that you can stay close enough to then catch a hard trailer he gets on the other hillside where you can make some moves so um they were getting pressured you know elk have to come to that meadow feed and i've always believed that and and elk um you know there there's five times the biodiversity you know with 50 yards inside the timber and 50 yards outside the timber of any any habitat change and so they really like this meadow grass but what we were finding is that they just weren't coming to any of these opens in this this meadow grass until evening and also there was so much food on this hillside that they were able to move amongst this this partially open timber reprod and there was really good grass and feed in that that they could use that meadow grass and no way to really glass them unless they were within a hundred yards of you in front of you but there was elk in there and they were bugling and it, it because they were bugling you could use that to to locate them where otherwise you know you could still still hunt through that but you wouldn't be nearly as effective as knowing where to expect to slow down or knowing where that bull should be or where the cow should be um so that was a that that was huge but yeah they were being um 
you know, and, and elk like that timber. They like that. They use that cover for security. So, you know, it's it's a bit of a natural defense, too, is I don't know how much, you know, the elk definitely felt the pressure, but how much they use their mobility as a defense is they can just travel country so fast. If they hear a bugle or hear a human, they can just start moving, and all of a sudden they're out of range and bugling three ridges over and gone out of your <laughs> life. Like they just they use that mobility as a defense. So, you know, I don't know how much the pressure really drove them into these spots or how much that they just use this habitat really well. And, and yeah, maybe they didn't want to get caught on some of those more open faces, but they were just using this habitat but i did notice that they were they were timbered up early like um timbered up by the time the lights came on and we were hunting a lot and locating a lot in the dark too and i know i was moving on bulls in the dark and trying to position myself close to when the lights came on and you're again it's this fine line of trying to get yourself close where you can make a play but also trying not to bump them and not bump them in the dark and ruin your opportunity before it ever starts and so it's it's just this um it's the ultimate it's just like this just relying upon your instincts and letting it guide you through the forest of listening to these bugles trying to make the right decisions and making mistakes here and there but also playing a bunch of them right where you know you're in range and you're so close and you just need them to go this way or you need this to happen and they work over the hill like um, so many of these elk I didn't play till I busted like I just got in and played the game and then they kind of worked off or it didn't work out and it's like oh back out mm -hmm. and I just love that when I'm not blowing elk up all over like when I can just get in and get out make the moves like you're kind of you're you're taking what they'll give you mm -hmm. and at any one point you may have to stop your stock or back out or change the wind but yeah it's a it's a bit of this taking what they'll give you and what the topography will give you what the stock will give you but that's kind of the beauty of elk hunting is it's this moving flowing stock and action and it it's just magic when you're into them you spend so much of your time looking for elk trying to get into a bull you want to shoot but um when you're in those parties or those rut fests or even just a good six-point bull, one of them that you want to shoot, I mean, that's magic on the mountain. That's what, you know, you guys flew 20,000 miles for and, like, what we're geared up yep. and taking time off work for every year is just that that chance to to try to make it happen. And they are extremely difficult, you know, and that's why it's, you know, you said 10% success rate here in Montana. I think it's actually 6% on bulls. So 10% total elk. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, 6% success rate. They are tough to kill yeah. with a bow and arrow. They are crafty. I've hunted a lot of animals over the years and maybe they can't, you know, they, it's like this multitude of senses and maybe they can't see the best, but it's a herd. So they have all these different eyes, you know, and they smell really good. Maybe not as good as a bear, but they smell really good. And so any shift of the wind and they catch your wind, you know, uh, they catch movement really well. Uh, and then their mobility again, their ability to travel country oh, is amazing. Next but, level, um, yeah. it's incredible. That's why they're so fun to hunt. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I can speak for everyone here and, and probably everyone listening you know, the last few weeks, I know we've picked our hunt apart, like, to pieces about, you know, our, unfortunately, our, our disappointments or whatever. But, like, this has been some of the best three weeks hunting that, and Josh and I, have done. <laughs> we do a lot, you know, Australia, we're very fortunate. We can hunt all year round. We don't have seasons. And this three weeks has probably been some of the best hunting I've ever experienced. And, you know, that says a lot for, you know, not to not to punch a tag on a, on a, on a bull, but, 
you know, the experiences, what we've got to see. I mean, we I've made a play on a mule deer. I should have shot a black bear, but everyone check your rangefinder pouches and see how noisy they are when they close. <laughs> um, but, you know, just little things like that, you just got to laugh at. Like, I just... I just couldn't take a trick. Dan's probably doing, been a little bit down the same path the last couple of weeks. Josh as well. So I don't know about you, Brian. I don't know what. You just got one. He's just eating his elk every night. Oh, anyway, yeah, that's that's another story. But but um, you know, just yeah, it's been awesome. It's just been so good. You know, we've learnt so much. We've seen all those different changes in the elk. We chased them high. We chased them low. We chased them everywhere in between. And we all had awesome chances. Like, there's no question. I, I can't say that I came here and didn't get an opportunity. Like, I just, it just didn't happen. I had had a beautiful bull just 45 yards. I'm sitting there waiting for him to turn. He just walked out of my life. He just, and never stopped. You know, that just happens. You know, they still don't know I was there. Like, no idea. But it was, it was a pretty awesome experience just sitting there. They just have no idea you're there. Like, it, and it's, there's something about that. I'm, I'm going to scare a few hunters that are probably in that same drainage, but you guys haven't seen us yet and we've seen you like it just being able to go around quietly and not disturb things and th- things like that it's, it's been a different experience and it's been a cool one like I so I just about said we had plays on mule deer Josh shot one you know which was great you know I had plays on black bear um I haven't seen a different color than a black bear other than I haven't seen color phase I'm told that that's pretty rare but I haven't seen a color phase yet but um you know it's just it's awesome seeing moose around you know i had them running across in front of me on the track and it's just been exceptional and then finally got to after i don't know how many dozens of hours i've used but i finally got, got <laughs> I, I haven't but finally got a, i got a nice goat on the ground yesterday yeah. and that just topped you, it off you had me. a couple of misses on those antelope I for did, sure yeah. yeah those things are small targets you, you will try and long bomb them that's what happens but i finally got into distance where i should have been and uh yeah put made a good play with dan yesterday and you know we we had a good ride of a yeah. fun yesterday chasing them goats around. And, yeah, yeah, finally got a good one on the deck. And, and then antelope over the fire last night was great, too. Oh, yeah, man, that it just stopped good. it off, wasn't it? Like, yeah, it was pretty perfect. cool. And good goat, too. Absolutely good, great goat for a first goat. I mean, yeah, congratulations on that. That was super fun. Good good middle-of-the-day uh, stock for us. That was, that was a lot of fun. That <laughs> yeah, was, that was good. good. Yeah, Dan, good. you're still hunting. God, I've been trying to get you on the podcast forever. It seems like every time we get together, we're adventuring till late in the night, and I I don't sit down and record one with you. But, yeah, we got to get you back on. You're going to continue to elk hunt, keep yep. after him. Yeah, no, got a lot of tags left, got a lot of hunting season left ahead of us. So, yeah, I'll be I'll be busy. You know you know me, always doing something. But, yeah, going to actually leave here in just a few hours, actually, and get back to it. So, yeah, <laughs> get off here and get a, get a little nap and then back to it. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it it'll be good it'll it'll be a good year it'll be a, there's a lot of elk around a lot of opportunities so yeah I'll, I'll make it happen it'll come together for me yep for sure josh so impressive to see uh, uh with the knife your tracking skills are on another level but yeah. uh both of you guys have so much skill and i love um like it you guys you guys love it with every fiber of your being you know and just embrace the whole entire hunt and kept a good attitude throughout but man i've had such a good time with both of you guys craig josh it's been awesome you know dan's been here we've had a great group and you know there's so much to a hunt too like um 
you know, four really good bow hunters, you could say that you'd get less opportunity because you got four good bow hunters that are hunting elk. But I think when you have four good hunters that are willing to share this information and share what they've seen and share their experiences, I think it adds to it. I think it adds to your bank of knowledge where now you have four guys that are exploring out four different ridge lines or four different hunts. And then they're coming back with what they saw. And if they did see a good quality critter, it's like, well, maybe I'll jump in next to him on the next basin over the next ridge line over there or oh you know now instead of like being up high and making four hunts which would take two days you make these four hunts like in one day but uh yeah it's just been amazing to like share the mountain with you guys to share experiences and i think like it's really added to it you know and and added to our our knowledge of elk as well yeah Yeah, so i i felt we acted as a team and and i i was as pumped as you were for your ball as i would have been if i had shot it so i, I felt that that was team effort in there like it you was. you were ultimately the shooter that killed the ball but there was the team effort there getting it in team effort getting it out and we shared that as a group and for me that that was the ultimate success there was no no egos involved there we were just four buddies out there getting it done so Oh, and, and Joe on the camera too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was great. I've, I've had a ball. I've learned a lot. And, yeah, I'll be back for sure. Nice. That's what I like Bring to hear. next year, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and we, Josh and I said that today driving back. You know, we just had such a great time. Nothing was ever a challenge. It was, you know, it was like the mix of emotions. You know, Dan and I <laughs> ran around yesterday, you know, um, you know, taking Josh in this morning, you know, poor Josh was running up the dark going I don't even know how I'm going to hunt this and I'm like yeah just come up here and you know it all plays out in the end but you know it, it's been a phenomenal time and I think we're just coming better armed next year you know mm-hmm. I mean, the devil could probably do something completely different so that'll probably happen but I think knowing how we Josh and I come over exper- thinking we experienced something very different you know very backpack orientated you know all this kind of stuff and it, it's like the cool thing to do there is no way we would have been able to hunt as hard as we did, and when we went hard, that was probably the hardest couple of weeks, three weeks that I've you know I've hunted. Um, but it was enjoyable. We got up every day, we did it every day. You know, I'd, I'd do it all again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, we we changed our game plan. We hunted out of the truck. You know, we'd spent four or five nights out out of the back of the trucks, and then we come back, reset your house, Brian, and you know, it's just it's been exceptional, mate. And I walk it can't thank you two guys enough to you know take us under your wing and and show us what you know oh it's been so much fun yep for sure we'll do it again this isn't where the story ends you know like you say we get to use this knowledge for next season which is pretty dangerous they'll probably do something totally different but (laughs) (laughs) it's totally dangerous but yes we all we all learned a lot on this you know number one is don't piss off an aussie with a knife in the mountains (laughs) you're not gonna win but i mean yeah it's been a good experience it's been a lot of fun a lot of good laughs a lot of good you've learned some words yeah a lot of a lot of words that i've been just trying to like i can't i felt bad we're like into stocks and like you'd be talking with these guys and you'd be like what did you just say? Like, what was that? Like, I have to stop and pause and think about what was just said. No, it's great. It's super fun. A lot of, a lot of good times. Yeah, I'll, I'll never forget it. So, yeah, I, well, you guys will be back no matter what. It's going to be great. Yeah. We all know what Elk and Bugle means, though. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Universal language. Yeah. I yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> got that down pat. Meow, meow, meow. All right, guys. That's a wrap. 
uh, super fun conversation with those guys. Uh, like I say, just great guys and great hunters. Learned a bunch from them, and um, uh, we had a riot, and definitely won't be the last hunt we share. And um, definitely going all over with Dan Heverin. We got a few tags left here. I've got a move in November, which is going to mess up my muley rut a little bit, but um, uh, going to get some uh, muley hunting in early and late, and then October is my month to try to kill a moose here. It's been tough hunting. Uh, I haven't seen much, you know, it's mountain moose hunting where they're, um, you know, they're, their populations are really low. Um, it isn't a huge density. And so I just need to run into one. I'm, I'm going to good moose spots and just going to continue to hunt hard and I'll run into a good bull here. It's just a matter of time, but, um, yeah, keep hunting. October is going to be my month to kill a moose. Working hard on my house is, um, I sold my place. I've got to be moved out of here December 1st. Uh, new rental comes available November 13th, I believe. So that November 15th to November 30th, I'm going to be pretty busy getting things done, which um, may screw up like uh, one of my late season hunts. But I'm still going to get some hunting in and um, hopefully then get there uh, January or so. So um, gosh, I'm ringing here. All right. Man, busy time of year trying to hunt, run the business, and build my house. So the phone was ringing. I had to answer that. I've got the, the well guys drilling my well today, so hopefully I can hit water. I'm sure I will. We've got pretty good water around here, so um, just discussing that. So, yeah, it'd be good to get that done. But, uh, yeah, such great guys, uh, such a fun podcast. Yeah, thanks so much for those guys jumping on, taking the time late last night. Um, so, yeah, we'll... Um, uh, keep after it. It's hunting season right now, which is super fun. So, um, yeah, I want to thank my sponsors for today's show, Black Ovis. I want to thank Camo Fire, a couple great apps. Black Ovis is a great internet retail store. If you guys are in the market for anything, make sure to check them out. I've been using their game bags and been super impressed by them. And um, also make sure to check out Zamberlin, just top of the line boots and shoes. I love those guys. Oh, and the the promo code for Black Ovis, if you want to save 10%, is Elevated10. Uh, also brings weight to the podcast and what we're doing here and shows them that our, our audience is engaging with their store there. So, yeah, if you get anything there, make sure to save that 10% and get us credit there, Elevated10. Uh, check out everything we're doing over here at Eastman's Hunting Journals. Um, Dan Picard has just been killing it this season, so he was on the podcast. Man, he killed a great big bull, uh, his best to date, which was really cool to see. The main beams are just huge on that thing. If you haven't seen it, go check out the the uh, Instagram. Uh, I believe it's on the Beyond the Grid page uh, on there, but just a giant bull. So happy for that guy. So he's a great hunter, great elk hunter. Um, couldn't be more stoked, and the film's going to be incredible as well. So uh, make sure to check that out. And man, I'm just going to keep hunting my hunt here and um, keep trying to shoot a moose here, find a, a good one, and um, yeah, then then on to some, some muley rut hunting and uh, continue to get some work done and keep moving forward here. So man, I appreciate all the kind messages, you guys, for the podcast. We're just building such a good community on here. I really like sharing in, in, in your guys' success. And uh, you guys have been working your butts off and producing some good quality critters, and it's it's just not easy out there. Uh, it's so difficult bow hunting, you know, especially the the public land stuff. Um, it's it's like one of the toughest endeavors out there. And sometimes you question if it's even possible. But if you keep putting forth effort, keep theorizing, uh, keep working to make your next move, uh, it's it's possible. So, um, with that, that's a wrap. Uh, I'll check in with you guys next week.